this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Oh, sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. From the ashes of Kumandra, the fictional world created in Raya and the Last Dragon, it's Scraping the Vault and Ears Up Podcast. Today, we're reviewing Encanto, Disney's latest musical. Here with me today is Dan. Hi, I'm Dan. I hate the Beatles. Hola, como estas? (laughs) Uh, De nada, y tu? (laughs) (laughs) Buen provecho. And Jimmy. Hey. hey, it's Disney's 60th animated feature. Mucho gusto. <laughs> oh, All right, that's the majority of the Spanish I know. Nice. Good job. It is the 60th animated feature that Walt Disney Animation has produced. And mm-hmm. they came out with their best. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Am I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is gonna be it. interesting. This is gonna be an interesting episode, I think. <laughs> it might be. We're this is the final of our 2021-2022 season of Dealer's Choice. Mm-hmm. As a reminder, woo. we had Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer in December. We had the very unique, maybe the best film we have reviewed on this show. Uh-huh. Mulholland Drive. Yes. And then we're closing it out by quote unquote Audrey's pick that I think I made her pick. Yeah, you kinda Disney no. sick. I thought she was I thought she was sincere and then I realized she'd never seen it before. I hadn't seen it. I really you know, I, I was like, I better watch it, you know, because I watched Bruno, which I loved, and that was Disney Pixar. And so Is that Luca? Luca, you're right. My bad. Um there yeah, is Bruno's a character a very named different Bruno movie. in it. <laughs> yes, I've we will not review that, that on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you see it once, it's seen it enough. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I watched I'm it on an airplane it. one time. I was watching <laughs> it on an airplane one time in the little individual screens, you know, <laughs> and they did not edit it at all. <laughs> and so oh, there's a little no. kid sitting next to me and there's like, there's a swinging wiener on the screen and I'm like, <laughs> like hiding the screen. I was, yeah. Anyway, it wasn't cut for content and neither it was, was Bruno's. <laughs> no. Or was it? I don't remember. I just wanted it to make not. that joke. Wait, I think it was. <laughs> I don't want to recall. Cut. Oh, I get it. Right You're talking about like circumcised. Yeah. I am yeah, hilarious. I've come in with my best jokes to celebrate yeah, Disney's have. best movie for their 60th If you have any movie. opinions about Bruno's, either the one in this movie or the one in that movie, <laughs> please call 856 Our Ears. ears. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Somebody calls Mike Renfro answers the phone. Uh, I'd like to talk about Bruno's. <laughs> this is a podcast, right? <laughs> the one about, not the, not the Sacha Baron Cohen one, not the Disney one. Those of you who just heard a change in audio quality, you can call 856-R-Ears. <laughs> ask about Bruno's dick. Right. You know ask, who... 
call 856-OUR-EARS and say, hi, you know, this guy keeps talking about how he has a degree in music and, <laughs> like, audio and stuff. <laughs> he totally just changed the audio quality <laughs> 17 minutes into the show. Hey, listen, at least we have audio quality, unlike some other shows on the yeah, Ears Up right. Network, you know? <laughs> yeah. Forget that time so, I recorded from my laptop. That, we all forgot it. We that all was forgot fine. It. That worked out fine. Oh, and then the one at the that little oh, outside oh, thing in San oh, Diego that was oh. rough. <laughs> when like a classic, Kathy Lee Gifford a- kept flying in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know the the impressions are good, but the audio quality was lacking. Yeah, um, <clears throat> we've only gotten better in our time. It's good. Yeah, it's so good. yeah, we watched Encanto. Some of us for the first time, some of us for the 40th time. And 40th. some of us for the last time. Maybe not 40. <laughs> I, I've probably seen it a dozen times. And mm. like this calendar year, like I don't think I may have watched it like around Christmas time last year, but it, the music has become such an earworm. And of course, my kids are, they're watching it all the time. Oh, so yeah. It's just kind of on. I think they're watching it right now as we record. Hilarious. Hmm. It mm. is earwormy. Yeah, yeah, we'll get in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> listener, you're gonna hear Dan on. double down. No, on. no, 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 no. I'm just. Uh, I guess it's Jimmy. I think it might be helpful for you to know that there are parts of the overall thing that I did find very enjoyable, and well, yeah, and very good. But I have a lot of issues with some like some other parts of the whole i'm curious to hear your issues i i don't have issues with it but i there are some some clearly um abrupt cuts or gaps in storytelling that i don't understand and i probably understand the story better than both of you just on account of all the times that i've seen it and all the videos i've watched and whatever but it's prove it i don't yeah (laughs) i'm not even gonna look at my notes I'm just going to rattle it off, off my brain notes. Um, and that's what we always do. <clears throat> and it's it's just like, I, I well, I, we'll get to it, but I don't understand why Mirabelle doesn't get a gift. I think I do, but it, it it's taken me a lot of sort of... It's because the story needs her to, needs her not to. Maybe. And, and that probably is true, Dan, but there's got to be a reason. Just kind of like, like we talked about on the other show about... You know, this store doesn't need a backstory, but it has one because that's just what Disney yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I so, think well, anyway, I think I know, and I'm going to explore it with you later. Okay. Well, speaking of backstory and people thinking that they knew things, um, this time around, I'm going to be sharing. You know, this movie came out just last year, or if you're listening to this, you know, in the year 2035. Um, uh, and Canto uh, Four uh, comes out next week. <laughs> exactly. Because Thank as, you. as Mr. Chapek pointed out, this is, this is now a franchise. <laughs> right. Mecha Chapek will be delivering <laughs> Canto Four to your brain via Disney <laughs> asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Mecha Chapek. 
Bob Chapek was born August 21st, 1960. He's an American media executive and businessman who is chief executive officer of the Walt Disney Company and is the most thumb-like person to have ever held that job. Before becoming CEO on February 25th, 2020, he had a 26-year career with the Walt Disney Company, beginning in the home entertainment division. That's right. He is our daddy. He's the person that was responsible for the straight-to-video sequels. Daddy Chapek. <laughs> daddy Chapek is Wait, here for us. Chapek yes. was responsible for straight-to-video? He, like, he oversaw that department. Wow. So he, he has is always daddy. been our daddy. Without so. him, we'd be nothing. All this Paul Pressler talk, and it's been Chapek all along. Right, I know. Chapek all along. <laughs> So, I began with Home Entertainment Division and rising to become the chairman of Disney Parks Experiences and Products. Uh, Chapek graduated from George Rogers Clark Junior Senior High School in 1977. He later earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Microbiology from Indiana State University, Bloomington, and a Master of Business Administration from Michigan State University. As anyone with a Master of Business Administration or anyone with a Master's of Education uh, I got degree one. knows... Those are not real degrees. Jeff Beck worked for the Heinz Company in brand management and in advertising for J. Walter Thompson before joining the Walt Disney Company. Uh, he began his career in 1983. He did all. Uh, he started as the marketing director for the company's Buena Vista Home Entertainment Division, which at that point was still very much focused on VHS tapes. Uh, in night and uh, 2014, JPEG launched the Disney and Magic Academy, uh, which was a suite of numerous tablets and smartphone apps designed to give children high quality learning games. Uh, a recent search for information about a Magic Academy, a Magic Academy, brings up absolutely no current information. Someone connected to the show who works in the education industry took a quick look at it and has the opinion that a Magic Academy is the is to education as Pizza Hut is to Italian food. <laughs> on <laughs> February, wow, on February twenty fifth, twenty fifteen, Chapek was named chairman of Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, and he he received a lot of criticism for pinching pennies and. And, and also pinching cheeks and being adorable. Uh, Bob Chapek has also allegedly said that he wants to make the Disney parks 20% more racist. He is also Tom Corliss's secret boyfriend. Bring it, Corliss. <laughs> Tom Corliss, like the chef? No, he's a Disney vlogger guy. Yeah. Kind is of a that D-bag. a chef? I'm thinking of Cat Corliss. <laughs> sure, she has a kitchen. And Tom Caliccio. Tom Caliccio, right. I watched a lot of Iron Chef and Top Chef. Ah. Tom Corliss actually said on a recent uh, video that he wants to uh, murder Tom Caliccio. Oh. Yeah. I've decided that we need to start just any any sort of beef with that person because he will take the bait. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Just a goofball. But he's so self-important, too. It's just. Right. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, yes. So that is Bob Chapek started microbiology. Now he's a micromanager. It's <laughs> the worst kind of manager. Science. <laughs> now I don't have a trailer for Encanto, but I do have a trailer. DC cab. They've got plans. Where to baby? <laughs> Nowhere with you. And they care. This is a trailer for, for 1984. 
movie, $5. DC Cab Star, Mr. Luggage. <laughs> <laughs> So thematically and symbolically, and they're basically the same. He's like the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mr. T is like the uh, the sister that's really strong. Here we go. They're back on the street. DC cab. Yeah. Cool. Well, nice. We should have watched that. It would have been more interesting. That's <laughs> oh, ouch! <laughs> burn, burn. So, um, I we, listener, I did not take a play by play because I assume that most of you have probably seen this. And the reason I do the more obscure movies, I do the detailed breakdown, so you can kind of see in your mind's eye what's happening. But I presume that all of you have seen this or are familiar enough with it that I don't need to do a breakdown. Or have heard all the songs sung. Yeah, over and over exactly. Again, if you are so, around teenagers or children. Yeah. So I mean, I still have eight pages, but um, it I just have a synopsis and then <laughs> some some details. So I you ready to I get listened, into it? I re-listened to that one song like a couple times because it really is pretty pretty great. Talking about the Bruno. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know, much to my chagrin, I enjoyed that <laughs> song. Yeah, and I, I, you know, work in the education industry, as we have discussed, so I have heard that song countless times. I have things to say from the mouth of the creator of the music and where these songs come from. Yeah, Lynn, LMM. LMM. Yep. Praise his name. Yep. I have have a lot of behind-the-scenes inspiration for each of the songs so you can kind of appreciate where he was. I, I, yeah, I predict bring it on. there will Excuse be you. five, five I mean, moments. Salud. Five moments where Audrey will go, oh, that's interesting or cool. Or it'll, it'll enlighten Audrey <laughs> five times. Okay, but here's my and he, and here's a little preview of where I'm coming at this. From. Place your bets, folks. <laughs> and, th- and this is kind of akin to where I stand on a lot of the Walt Disney World over-imagineered stuff is it's like interesting is fine and it it is interesting but it it doesn't necessarily improve the experience in the moment. Most of what I'm going to talk about is creative inspiration and yeah maybe not and but it's like the other show that we do if you know that it's a river of poop running through the the uh, Liberty Square, it's like it doesn't change anything in the experience, but it's just one more thing. Oh, so next time I go there, or next time I watch this movie, I'm going to notice this detail and go, oh, that's really cool. Uh, World building, yeah. whatever. And and that's that's what I predict. Five times for Audrey. Probably okay. ten times will Dan be like, yeah, 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 well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. We're as predictable yeah. as a Disney plot, aren't we? <laughs> we sure uh, are. So, okay, here we go. Forced by an armed conflict to flee her village in Colombia, a young Alma Madrigal loses her husband, Pedro, but saves her triplet infant children, Julieta, Peppa, and Bruno. Fraternal. By, yes. By now, a, that's, that's triplet, right? Not triplet? triplet okay. oh oh my god it's a music term that's so interesting uh-huh. you thought it was <laughs> no, going to be a no, couplet no. but it's a triplet. that was a that was a fake one don't count that towards the okay tally. okay that, yeah that, that no, was, that's, I was, that's how i that's how i feel when i, I was that, hamming that, that it up was thing. yeah uh by a miracle 
Her candle attains magical qualities, blasts away their pursuers, and creates a sentient house, the casita. And burns for eight days and eight nights. <laughs> eight crazy <laughs> nights. And they ate latkes. Oh, wait a minute. We're in Colombia. Uh, a casita for them to live in, along with a magical realm bordered by a tall surrounding mountains, an encanto, or charm in English. Mm. Now, um, it's there's in Colombia there there is sort of a culture of of realistic magical you know like it's part of the culture I think yeah so I don't it, it's it's interesting it's it's fantasy a magic candle burns and builds them a surrounding I don't know what this conflict is representing I don't know what the backstory of it is I assume there's probably twenty pages that are on the cutting room floor or whatever that explain well, it. Around uh, the time period that it's set in, which people have speculated is around 1950, was I didn't think I was going to go there for. So give me a second, I will cut this part out because I was I was actually looking for ways to uh, incriminate America's involvement in Latin America. <laughs> uh, but there was so there was basically a ten-year civil war from 1948 to 1958 between the Colombian Conservative Party and the Colombian Liberal Party. Um, and basically, someone got assassinated. I'm just skimming here. Mm -hmm. Someone got assassinated, and there was kind of a fight for, you know, who's going to, basically, who's going to control the country. And so, um, if th if this is connected, because from what I'm, what I read previously, and I'm just skimming now, and not really good at communicating and skimming at the same time. Um, there were basically, you know, there were violent people were throwing Molotov cocktails into buildings and, and people were fleeing. And that makes probably makes this family a leftist family, which makes me very happy. For those of you, <laughs> those listeners again from 2035 sound familiar. <laughs> <laughs> In 2035, the liberals will be conservative and the conservatives will be liberals. Yeah, and it'll all just right. fold in on itself. It happened like a before. big quesadilla. Mm. It's appropriate? No. I don't know. <clears throat> Spoilers. The liberals are conservatives. Whoa. Uh, 50 anyway. years later, the candle continues to burn and a town thrives under its protection. The candle's magic grants gifts to each madrigal descendant which they are to use to serve the villagers. However, Bruno, vilified and scapegoated of for his gift of precognition, disappeared 10 years earlier. And then While, starred in the movie Minority Report. Sure. <laughs> As a precog. Yeah. <laughs> While Mirabel, Julieta's youngest daughter, <laughs> mysteriously did not receive a gift and feels left out of the family for it, and we sing the family Madrigal. Right, exposition. and I'm trying to find... This is, in fact, exposition. So this was Lin-Manuel's yes. push for this movie. This was his audition, not audition, but this was his sort of concept, uh, proof of concept, because normally in a Disney movie, you have a antagonist, you have a protagonist, you have, you know, so there's a villain, there's a heroine or hero, and and there's traditionally a um, like a, a, a an I want song. Think of part of your world. Think of mm -hmm. I want to be king. Think of that. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But this like like Moana had eight 
brothers in the original um, original draft. But they're like, we don't have time for eight brothers. Moana yeah. needs to save the world. Cut the brothers. And right. so there are nine characters in this, right? Or 11 or something like that. There's a lot of characters. And this was sort of his way of presenting all of the characters and give them some kind of theme, some kind of rhythm or whatever. And his inspiration for this was the song bell from beauty and the beast, where at the end of that song, you know who everybody is, you know how everybody feels about each other. And mm -hmm. it just does a really good job at world building. But this was, I think mm -hmm. the first song he wrote for the movie, because this is hey, let's keep everybody and here's how we can do it. So I wanted to bring you into my process in watching this because the day, the day that I was planning on watching this, I was, I was, Kind of negative, it's, you know, usual, usual, usual day for me. Um, and I was thinking, this is, uh, is going to suck. And, blah, blah, blah. and I was thinking, okay, well, let me at least, you know, we, we've been talking about how to address the, the music in this because we can't actually play the songs because, you know, Yoko and it will sue, sue us and, you know, all of that. And, um, so I was thinking, okay, well, maybe I, we tossed around a lot of ridiculous ideas, but I thought, what if I look into the music? Cause this is a very music based thing and try to figure out where these come from beyond just like story wise. Like, um, like for example, this is a, and I, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing this, I probably am a Valent, a tune. And I have an example Ooh. of that. Um, and so I went into this and, and what it looked like was because Columbia has like, over a thousand different musical traditions, right? In it. Like legitimately Whoa. over a thousand. Um, and that was <laughs> right. And that was part of the draw of Columbia for the filmmakers is they were like, well, here's this, this place that has so many different things and so many different influences and they connect, but they don't really connect at the same time. And wouldn't it be interesting if we had this family that kind of had that quality? And I really, really, really was under the impression that each character would have a specific uh, musical style, mm -hmm. which I mean, I don't seek out a ton of Latin music, but I've, you know, I do have a degree in music. So <laughs> um, I've taken, I have taken two classes that involve world music. I know that's nothing, but it's like a drop more than your average idiot um which i i am your average idiot um <clears throat> you're in good company so right so <laughs> i was actually really excited because i saw oh well this is this is this kind this is that kind and it kind of falls apart later which we'll get into but just to mm. give you something here is a, a fairly from what i can tell traditional valinato tune and it is oh i'll look at credits and i'll put them in the notes what? Because My I, story? I'm the main character, Maribel. Mirabel, sorry. Here, I'm going to sing about our family now. So what you're hearing here that you hear in the soundtrack is a lot of accordion. Yeah. She even is given an accordion at one point. Yeah, yeah. So that that's 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 something that you hear a lot in this style. That scrapey sound. There's a lot of that. Um, that, that extra and, scrapey sound is Audrey. Yeah, <laughs> I have a little. Sorry. Do you have a and maraca a, with you? And it, <laughs> no, it's it's a skull shaped shaker thingy. Ah. And what's really cool about these traditions is that what I've learned is that it's kind of like it's. 
it's like a recipe for food in a sense where it's like we're going to make I'm going to make we're going to make chili and we know that chili has you know a, some spice some beans some meat and that's it. All of these musical styles are kind of like that where it's like we're going to do a valinato or if, mm. I don't know if even I said that right. So that means the person on the scrapey thing knows what kind of pattern to do. The person right. on the accordion knows what to do. Uh, Every instrument has a set role just like a family and within that there's a lot of like little micro variations that you can do, but sure. at the end of the day it's really just this is we're going to make this kind of this kind this style of music this style of music has a thing that everyone does. Yeah, and I think that that's something that Lin-Manuel Miranda does very well in his career is he takes he samples from other types of music. You think of Hamilton, you could point to any number of specific songs, specific artists and that kind of thing. Same with um in the Heights, like you it's it's sampling from these very specific genres and styles of music, right? Right. I so think- the Family Magic Girls go ahead. The the that's all lovely and very cool. What my issue is is that I don't think it really works that well. I mean, it's cool that he was able to create a really catchy song with Mirabelle explaining everyone in the family and giving us sort of a, a foundation. But it ultimately, I think, for a younger viewer. It's just too much information. If he had picked one or two people and made it a little more specific, then and also had picked a villain, like a tangible villain, then you would have had something more beloved and classic. So here's here's some notes I have from this this first part. Her power is going to be insight. Uh, Singing to the camera. Why? The old lady is the villain. (laughs) i mean that's (laughs) so a couple of things before i lose my train of thought i I, yeah i disagree with you audrey in now you may be right for a small child that it's a lot of information but you also need to remember the kids watch this stuff over and over Mm -hmm. and so they absorb it and and i believe it is quite beloved and it will be more of a classic as time goes on i say that only because this album is the number one album in america we don't talk about Bruno is the most popular song since like the early nineties, even more than let it go. How much of that, how much of that is carryover from Hamilton being the most popular thing in the universe? I mean, I don't, I don't know that my children know that Lin-Manuel did both, but I, I assume that most children don't know and don't care, Mm. but how much of it being the number one album is because it's affiliated with Lin-Manuel. I don't know. And I'm not saying that this and this is just to be clear, this is kind of a a Beatles thing where it's like, I don't blame him. I blame how people consume media more than anything. Like he's I actually like him. I think he's fine. I think he's doing a lot of right things. I think that maybe he could have made himself more uncomfortable in this by like trying to push for a little bit more on authenticity rather than. This is this style of music filtered through the usual thing that I do, but also he's yeah. still, I mean, this is like his third album kind of thing. Third albums are generally kind of difficult. So I, I, I get it. I think that he's. Well, you got to remember think, Moana was his sort of audition in the Heights was his first, like that was his freshman right. year. And then he right. wrote Hamilton, but it wasn't released on Broadway before he was hired for Moana. He was writing Moana right. before Hamilton right. came out. So technically Hamilton was his third. And then, and then, of course, he's done a bunch no, but, of other uh, stuff in the interim, right? But I mean, I my sort of standing point with Lin Manuel Miranda, and this is out of concern 
for a person that I think is actually extremely talented. I think he's he's he has like three to eight really 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 good tricks up his sleeve, mm-hmm. like really good boxed ones. In. But I think that's true for for most composers. I mean, you listen to a Sondheim musical and you can tell it's a Sondheim musical. They have a style. Everybody has a style, and but Sondheim has his own little tricks. Like he'll have a, a a melody and then he plays the melody in reverse and makes a whole new song, like by his own admission. So I think I, every talented I, artist has that trick. I think it's one thing to to come back to things after going off to field for a little bit to to explore new things, and I think that Lin Manuel Miranda just hasn't had the time to do that yet. Mm, and again, maybe. this is a pro this is a pro LMM argument. My, I I would love to genuinely love to see him with his next project, whatever it is, Little Mermaid, do something. Oh God. He what? needs to get away from Disney. He needs to get away from Disney. Yeah, he needs well, to be he's, challenged. I mean, he's effectively everything he's done is affiliated with Disney in some way. I know, and I, and I worry that it that that is going to stifle someone who I think has a a lot of promise. And and he does have a lot of promises. He's very talented, but at the same time, it was the Little Mermaid that he saw when he was a little kid that inspired him to do this. Like it was watching that blew his mind, and he's like, Great. "Oh my gosh." And then in the so, then he saw a tick tick boom on Broadway, and he's like, uh, "What am I doing with my life?" And that's <laughs> what inspired him. Right. I don't know, uh, but you know what I do know is that it's time for a commercial break. <gasps> we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mm-mm, that sounds deliciously yeah. um, the consumable and, and orderable and comfortable to sleep in all of it what do you think um, asher generally speaking the rampant commercialism that surrounds us all only serves to turn each one of us into an individual target market in some ways this further alienates us from our purpose in our society by making us produce surplus value passively We are not given a chance to produce value which we have any kind of personal connection to, almost like how the humans in the Matrix produced energy through their ambient body heat without knowledge or consent. While having our value as individuals simply to a source of revenue from one faceless entity to another, I do think that ad break was pretty cool. And real. Uh oh. All right. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Um, one thing I want to point out in the family Madrigal is when you're writing a musical, which I've never done, but when most people who write musicals write musicals, the characters have a theme, right? And like Star Wars, Luke Skywalker has a theme and Leia has a theme, right? So creating themes for different characters. And if you'll notice in the family Madrigal, when Abuela comes in, who, by the way, for all intents and purposes, is the villain. But mm-hmm. what I like about this movie is there is no traditional villain. It's about family. It's about communication. It's about compromise and togetherness and how to live with each other and whatever. So I like the idea that there's no villain. Um, but mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, Alma is. So the real in- villain is consumerism. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um. <laughs> but in the song, her section <laughs> is the same melody as Dos Oruguitas. 
And her thing is, so that's her theme. Yeah. Because that song is her song and the story of she and her husband or whatever, which we'll get into later. But I thought that was really cool. That's how you write a musical. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) On his fifth birthday. Woven. It is woven. And there's, and like Dan said, there's a lot of callbacks to things. And it's like you said, that's kind of how you write a good musical. Um, on his fifth birthday, Peppa's youngest son, Peppa, remember, is the one that controls the weather. Uh, youngest son, Antonio, <laughs> is gifted with the ability to communicate with animals. And the family Rawr. poses for a picture, but neglects Mirabelle. She, she sings, sucks. Waiting on a Miracle. Now, this is the I Want song. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and it is... It is uh, – go ahead. Sorry. And just the I Want song, I could mention a couple of examples before. So when you're writing a Disney princess, if you will, I Want song, you're you're on the same playlist as Let It Go. You're on the same playlist as, um, uh, you know, I Want to Be King or Can't Wait to Be King and Part I of Your World. I Want to Be Shiny, and, the no, Crab that's song. Not a, that may oh. be the Crab's I Want song, but that's not the protagonist. So – um, but anyway, so in in writing this song is like there's a lot of pressure to have it be the next part of your world. Um, so he ended up just going back to Colombian music and found a particular type of Colombian waltz, which Ooh. is in three four time, which is completely out of step with the rest of the music that's in the movie. So she's literally out of step with the rest of the family in singing a waltz. Wow! Yeah. Damn it! So. <laughs> I said wow again. Well, that's two. That's two. Here's the thing. Yeah, there's so 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 many details um in the music and in the character design and their outfits and what they're you know, what they look like. I just don't think I think they spend too many there's just like way too much focus on putting in every possible detail that they can think of, but like kind of missing the big picture. I think a lot of a lot of what Audrey, you and I, I think are experiencing comes from how the movie was made. It was made during shutdowns and all of that. And I, what I'm seeing in this, and I promise Jimmy, I'm going to get positive about this at some point. Um, it, it's like it, it's not it's not like too many cooks. It's like the cooks have walkie talkies and like the they're bad walkie talkies and they're saying like hey i'm gonna do this okay copy you're gonna do this other thing that kind of sounds like what you just said to the point that like for example something that i found very yeah well kind of but not in the usual sense like i really feel like everyone was doing their best but i don't think that there was a cohesion there uh at least for the first act because the first act goes on for like 30 34 minutes or so and no actual story it's all just this is this is this person this is that person which is character and that's fine Mm -hmm. um and another an issue that i really had that took me out of it immediately by the way character animation is great facial expressions absolutely wonderful it's a well-made bad movie like uncanny (laughs) valley to me it's really okay i can see that the movement the character movements are very fun and sharp but but that didn't it, bother me. It's getting too well, realistic for me. I can I can see that. But what did bother me is after the Family Madrigal song, which is we're going to introduce everybody and talk about what they can do. Then we see a scene for two to five minutes that is introducing characters showing what they can do. 
It's like, it's an hour and 45 minute long movie. You don't have to have both things. And this breaks the rule of musical, which is the reason that we're singing is because we're going to do a story shortcut and I'm going to tell you all these things. I'm going to show all these emotions. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to show, not tell, but then right after the musical number, it's, Telling we're introduced. It's it's telling again. It's the same stuff. It doesn't need to happen, and it's so frustrating. So might I counter that with to Audrey's point? There's too much information. This is reinforcement of that information, and it's not the focus. Mirabelle is the focus, and everything that's happening around her is just enforcing the thing that we just learned about. I get what you're saying, but I to me it just reads. It could be that, but I think to me it just reads as. We the, the 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 songwriter was not communicating with the script person. The problem the problem with that reinforcement is that there's just too much information. Like I would understand if the song was about three people and then they reinforced those things for three people. But you know they yeah, they have well, to that, cover that's, everyone that's else the in the age movie. Old, that's the age old point that I think Lin Manuel was pushing to fight against. Is let's let's have a because this is about family and multi generational family, which is very Latin having mm-hmm. multi-generational families living together. And mm-hmm. what is that really like? And so what they're exploring in these scenes is the dynamics of each of these people, their powers, what that means, what it means for the community, what it means to the family. And the the over, overarching conflict is Abuela trying so hard to make sure that everyone is being their absolute best at all times because of this miracle that she doesn't want to lose. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we're exploring all that in all these scenes. I think How what, could I think they have the, done it better if if it's not? Oh, I have that. I have that. <clears throat> and I'm glad you brought it up because I forgot. You might need to remind me because that's going to be later. Okay. But, we'll put it um, at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, well, I totally have I, – I have how to fix this. Um, but I guess my, <laughs> my issue is – and I think it's actually good too. Um, my issue is, is really just that that first scene feels like, okay, why did I just sit through that song? Besides it just being a Lin-Manuel Miranda song that we're not going to cut because it's Lin-Manuel Miranda, which is fine. It's energetic. What, keep, keep one. Keep one of the two. That's all I'm saying. It's 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 Or in start, start inserting more story earlier on rather than it being like, here are the characters. Here's what they can do. And then 20 to 30 more minutes of here are the characters. Here's what they can do before we get to. Okay, well, what's the story? What's where? Why am I watching this movie? What's it about? Rather than mm. look what we can do. So well, I, it's I, it's I, it's it's a sorry. I'm just gonna add on. <laughs> I think it's a bit Jimmy, of a you letdown. Look so frustrated. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a bit of a letdown that the conflict at the top of the show is that our character's normal when everyone else is special around her. Versus right. it versus something like. Beauty and the Beast, where the main character is special because she's different. She reads right. books, you know, or or in a superhero kind of situation. Like, what if Mirabelle was the special one, but still had her family around? I, I, then the conflict could be something greater than I'm just a normal person because it there's no con- it's not it's not a problem to be a normal person. So I think well, that's confusing. Maybe in this world it is because – so I, I think – I understand everything you're saying, both of you, and I, I I can accept the point of we're doing the song again, but I'll reiterate my interpretation of it is yes, and we're seeing how this all works. Mm-hmm. Like 
not just what they can do, but how it all works in this yeah. dynamic, in this community. You know what it's I mean? It's a proof yeah. of concept for the world in the movie yeah. itself and for Lin-Manuel to Disney. And this is how it really works in real life. And then it's yeah. the central focus point of this character who doesn't have any powers, right? She didn't get a door, mm-hmm. uh, but she very much does have power, which we'll, we'll get into later. And, you know, Abuela I, doesn't have powers either. I think the the first third of the movie to me feels like watching one of those movies where it got messed with by the studio where it's like, I can see the movie that it yeah. could be. And it's very, very frustrating. There are definitely, like I said, at the outset, there are parts of this thing that are missing. Right. Mm. And I so, don't think it's a lack of collaboration. I think it's cut for time or, or just some other reason why there's, there are parts of this missing that would make it better. It right. was Disney-fied versus DreamWorks-ified. <laughs> I, well, Shrek I, exists. That movie's pretty great. It's fun, but it's not like, I don't know. It's not beloved. So Waiting on a Miracle is a Bambuco song, which is actually a 6-8 time. But oh. this is a three-quarter time in this one. Uh, six eight is kind. Of, it's it's uh, a lot of scherzos or six eight. They're kind of like it's a dance, but it's a joke because there's no way you could possibly dance that fast. But this <laughs> is kind of just waltz. And here is an example that should play any moment. Thank you, Zencaster. We love you. Is this six eight or three four time? Two three one two three one two three one two three one two three. Oh. So it's six eight. Oh. One two three. One two three. One two. Three. Yeah, there's there's other ways you can do it. Waiting for a miracle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I see it. If you would like mm-hmm. to sue us, go to. No, no, Dan. This is clever. I like how you've worked <laughs> it is around good. this limitation. It, thank you for doing this because this is wonderful. It's it's actually better. Because everybody knows the music, so finding the inspiration for the music is uh, brilliant. <laughs> we're the best podcast. In we are. Case we you guys are didn't the best. By the way, yeah, we're a better podcast than our listenership would would believe. Um, <laughs> what are you the, saying? We have the best listeners. We have the best listeners, but we don't have enough of them. It's surprising because it's a it's really well produced. It's really well edited. It's entertaining. We have Audrey. What else do you need? Folks, he heard it here first. <laughs> so, uh, after waiting uh, on a miracle, uh, leaving the celebration, Mirabel suddenly sees the casita cracking and the candle's flame flickering. Mm. But her warnings go unheeded when the casita appears undamaged to the others. Uh, so, this part. Now, the, the house is breaking. Exactly. The house is breaking. She sees it breaking. Does she see it breaking? Because uh, uh, Abuela sees it also. She's seen it before, or at least that, or she doesn't believe whatever, because she praised her her dead husband later. Like we, the house is breaking, so does she believe Mirabelle, or has she seen it herself? And does this actually happen? Because the next scene brings everybody out, and it's all fixed. And- I think the first time she's the only one that sees it. Oh, and by the way, she lives in the nursery. Yes, she does. She didn't <laughs> Why get do they door. treat her so terribly? Because she doesn't have magic. <laughs> this family is awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty uncool move. So yeah, I I don't understand this part. That is she imagining it happening because everyone comes out and they it's not broken anymore. So is this yeah. a metaphor? 
I, yeah, I think I, what I took from it and I put in my brain notes that this is an example of toxic positivity. And I think that that's what a lot of this movie, I mean, be, beyond the greater themes, that's what I immediately noticed in this is that even if it is true, they're going to, especially Abuela Exposition is going to sweep it under the, the rug. You know, mm. she's. Yeah. Because that it looks bad. You know? Yeah. And she's overprotective and right. she's controlling and all the things as the villain. So I think that she does. I think the first time uh, Meg does have the vision. <laughs> Meg. <and it's>, yeah. <laughs> she's yes. the Meg of. She's the Meg. The Meg of the story. <laughs> she, she, I think it's it's a vision the first time around. And then, of course. But how like does she all, cut like, her hand? Because the house doesn't like her. And the, ha- Just like the, the, thing, rest of the, the house is kind of a dick. If it really did break apart in front of her and cut her hand, then it fixes itself. It's like, what are you talking about? Nothing happened. The house is the yeah. least consistent and also least necessary part of the story. I think the house <laughs> is fun as an extra character. It's fun. It's, it's cute. I, I think it was there. We're looking at theme park opportunities. And by Underused. the way, the whole time, the Maybe. whole time I'm looking at this I'm I'm watching it and I'm thinking like, how far are we away? How far away are we really from the Madrigals appearing in the Mexico Pavilion? I mean, uh, she's next already, week. Mirabelle's already me? there. Are like you in full costume. Yeah, I've seen it on the on the Instas oh and my. the TikTokers and the and the Shazams I mean, and the Wooms. It's, Dis- it's Disney logic <laughs> where you have I know, like I know. Why set it in Colombia then? <laughs> you have a well, that's fair, but you have Aladdin who's they're in Morocco. All, apparently, they're all Mexicans. <laughs> I mean, Disney said it, not me. <laughs> it's Aladdin's in Morocco. You gotta, I mean, you gotta <sighs> do what you gotta do because I'm sorry, but for most, do, do not defend this. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not defending, I'm not defending that. What I'm saying is, most people couldn't tell the fucking difference. You know what I mean? Like Joe Blow, Florida guy going to Orlando to Disney World doesn't know the difference between Mexico and Colombia. Let's be <sighs> honest. Like, I mean, uh, Audrey no. earlier was talking about quesadillas <laughs> in Colombia. <laughs> they don't have quesadillas yes. in Colombia. What? You expect me to be a culinary master of Colombian food? No. I mean, yeah, I know you're going to tell us what we're eating later. <laughs> Just you wait. Um, be just you wait. <laughs> uh, anyway, I want to get demonetized. So enough about uh, the house. I, we'll get into it. <laughs> We're barely monetized. Um, I, I, I'm shocked, but I shouldn't be shocked that they're at the Mexico Pavilion. I mean, so, now it's just the South South American or Central. I mean, American. It kind of Me- always has pavilion. been though, a little bit. I, I mean, think about the ride. You have Three Caballeros, which was set in South America, not in Mexico. Right. Uh, only one of the birds is technically from Mexico. Yeah. Donald's from, you know, Disneyland or whatever. But does anyway, it, I think it's does always Does it been. serve Disney to <laughs> be, get this Chicago. specific with their location and their setting and their, their like, I, Yeah, that's fair, details. Audrey. I, I think, think unless I think it was set in some magical, mystical, like Arendelle. Which mm-hmm. may have served the story better if it was not Columbia specifically with the word Columbia written on the side of a building. Right. right. Like right. if this was, you know, uh, Columbia ish. Areola or whatever. I don't know. Like <laughs> some, 
some magical, mysterious country probably would have served the, the story better to your point because then it can be more generic. Because well, the, the more the specific actors, you get – yeah, sorry. I, yeah, you pigeonhole yourself a little bit, but that that's but then the point. Also, and once you've gotten that specific, you get people saying, well, why didn't you show this other specific detail? Because like, well, I just think it's a slippery slope, a slippery areola. <laughs> well, <laughs> slippery nip. But, like when it's I, general, you can you can sense the like. Yeah, oh, yeah, we yeah. get where this is, but but saying like this is Colombia, and then putting in certain details, but omitting other details, opens you up for for criticism. Saying, well, why don't you put this in if you're in Colombia? What's well, right. interesting, yeah. you're right. And, you know, Dan, like he said, there are a thousand different musical styles and I'm sure there's all kinds of things. And what's interesting about that, I just learned today that Lin-Manuel was frustrated about, you know, watching – he didn't see himself represented on screen or on stage outside of West Side Story. And so he writes In the Heights and he brings in this whole group of Latin people. But then there was all this outrage because there wasn't enough Afro-Latina. That's and it's like, you know. That's that's that gets right to it. Is is I don't see myself on screen. Well, are you only looking at the physical characteristics or the like? Well, because you can relate think- to any character based on their story. I don't think it has anything to do with how they look. And like, the- I, I think like I think like with the Lin Manuel Miranda in the Heights example that you brought up. I'm taking your word for. It. I don't know anything about it. I think. And this is kind of where I'm at with this a bit. And I don't want to go into too far into a weird like place with this. When you don't actually, when you, when you only bring in the people from the culture as like consultants, you're kind of exoticizing the culture, which then opens you up to actual criticism where like I'm looking at the credits for this and it's really a bunch of white people who are like, we love Columbia. We're going to talk to real Colombians and we're going to have them advise us on what to do rather than say like, Hey, let's bring in a storyteller from this culture and have them tell their version of this story. Because then by doing that, it becomes authentic rather than it being like, here's the, here's the illusion of authenticity. This Doing it this way is very well-meaning, but so is Nancy Pelosi wearing the kente cloth. Like, you just kind of look like an idiot at some point. Okay, so, yes, I accept accept your premise, and you're right. (laughs) And I I think they maybe went further in this movie than others, right? Like, you can go to Africa and write The Lion King. Right. Um, so you're right. And there was some Colombian influence. There's a couple of Colombian singers that perform, but you're right. They're, they're, right. But they're, not writers. Yeah. The writers are white dudes. And, uh, I mean, there may have been some, obviously some influence and in story and whatever. Totally. And they, they try. I'm not saying that they didn't try. They t- right. absolutely tried. But, but the, the songwriter is a New York guy who has family from Puerto Rico. Right. So, it, right. So instead of bringing in a bunch of musicians that are, you know, experts in these types of music and saying to Lin-Manuel Miranda, okay, you write the music, you, you write the chord changes. We're going to make it the music that we make it. And yeah, you could do your pop stuff to it later, but it's kind of 80% ours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I get your point. I, it doesn't detract for me. But I, I see your point. It, it doesn't. I, I wasn't sitting there fuming the whole time. I was just, again, watching the movie and seeing what the movie could have been and being very frustrated that it was not that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, how did you feel about Shang Chi? Didn't like it. Okay, um, which Marvel does exactly movie? what you're. It's like a bunch of people from. I just thought the story was dumb. I, I don't care for it. I, I didn't. I wasn't interested in. It looked cheap. It looked like you know. I just didn't. I didn't enjoy it. Was and it that's woke? the thing is is authenticity doesn't mean that I have to that anyone has to enjoy it, which is I think where the woke criticism comes from. It when you're just dealing with with aesthetics, it's like. I want to like or dislike a thing on its own merit, not on the aesthetics. Well, there you go. Let's Does keep talking about this movie. Does that make you a racist? According to some people, probably. Uh, okay, so after um, <laughs> after over after overhearing <laughs> Alma praying, she's praying to Pedro, uh, her dead husband. Uh, Mirabel result, which is when she says, "Oh no, the house is breaking. What do we do? We can't lose the miracle. It's been fifty years." Um, Mirabelle resolves to save the miracle's magic. The next day, she talks to her super strong older sister, Luisa, mm -hmm. who confesses mm -hmm. that she feels overwhelmed by the near constant work she must do, and she sings Surface Pressure. <clears throat> now, this song is um, is sort of a love letter to Lin-Manuel's older sister, who was, you know, the firstborn, feels like she has to take on all of the burden, and so this is sort of a love letter to his sister. Oh, that's cute. And it is in a reggaeton style. And don't worry, I don't have a whole lot more of these because they stopped going for authenticity real soon. Um, <laughs> and it's sung by Jessica Darrow, who, by the way, I found the performance in the movie really not good. However, there's video of her performing the song with just a stand-up bass. And it, it's very, very, very good. Like, she's a very good singer very good performer and this song th this recording of the song does not do her justice and audrey were you gonna say something uh i don't like this song i mean i like parts yeah. of it but i just don't like it yeah it's it feels cheap to me i but think it's out a, of the i mean when you look at the number of plays in spotify or something for the soundtrack this one's not as popular as bruno Right. But then neither and, are any of the other ones. None of them. Right. And, and to give you an idea of how little Disney knew what they had, they were they were pushing for this song to be the Oscar contender. Yeah, they did not submit Bruno, I don't think. Which is it's a bad idea. I mean, I but I understand why they did. They're like, oh, this is going to be a hit. People like girl boss songs. It's like, well, no, it's, it's not a really. A, she doesn't actually mm. sing. It's it's really more spoken but than that, anything. It's the right, but she can sing. This the actor can sing, which is what's so frustrating about yeah. it. Here's I, an example of, of reggaeton. Uh, by the way, it was really hard to find one that wasn't dirty. Isn't that Gasolina song reggaeton? I'm not sure. Isn't Rigatoni one of the characters from the Chuck E. Cheese band? Uh, yes. Reggae? Never heard of it. This is so, like spiritually the, on the same line. Yeah. 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 And this, uh, again, I'm going to put the stuff in the notes so that I don't have to mispronounce things and have everyone calling and complain at 856 R.E. Oh my god, Dan! I mean, I'm amazed. It sounds just or like the other song. I'm amazed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 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 they they popify everything. Yeah, which I, I don't have a problem with that. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think again, I would much, I would find it much more interesting for Lin Manuel to release it into the world of the actual musicians who are actually used to doing this, and then come in after the fact and say, okay, now it's now it's collaboration time. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah. Um, and maybe that'll happen someday, but it didn't. Jimmy, I promise it gets better. Okay. Um, so <laughs> at least for me. So, uh, Luisa suggests that Bruno's room in a forbidden tower in the casita may hold clues to the phenomenon. There, Mirabel discovers a cave and recovers pieces of a slab of opaque emerald glass. I like After Mirabel narrowly escapes the cave. Sorry, go ahead. It kind of felt like Indiana Jones. And it I was did, like, oh. Didn't it? Now I'm paying attention because they're not all scream singing. Well, and I like too that that I of course I knew we don't talk about Bruno. And I didn't know much about the story because well there was no story until now. And um I I liked that they had this scene before the song. Yeah, it's it's a fun scene. Like you said, it's like adventure, it's funny because she's climbing all the stairs, and I think she's singing uh, family madrigal as she's walking yeah. down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she finds the rope and, you know, the birds and whatnot. Um, so it's a fun thing. And, uh, after she narrowly escapes the cave, Luisa discovers that her gift is weakening. After her family reminds her of the reasons that Bruno is not to be discussed, we don't talk about Bruno. Mm-hmm. And this is real fast before you get yeah. into it. Yeah. Uh, this song is effectively end of act one. Yes. And it was the inspiration for this song was very much the end of act one of Les Mis, the end of act one of, um, uh, you name it, you know, the, like where, and Hamilton does it and Book of Mormon does it. And a lot of very popular modern musicals take all the themes of all these different characters that we talked about before and they all sing on top of each other. And all those musical thread lines are all playing together. So it feels like the whole thing. The whole, you know, the whole story is coming together at the end of Act One. I wonder if Lin Manuel Miranda is over influencing himself and not just trusting that he can write. Maybe, but I think it's. Hard. I would imagine it's hard to write a musical, and you have to pull from those tricks, and you have to pull from your inspiration. I mean, what yeah. musical is not inspired by another musical, and vice yeah. versa? So but you're you're limited with a certain number of notes and a certain number of. I love Jimmy, this style. I, I know song. what it's like to make music. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I guess and the difference I think, is this has notes. No. <laughs> so do mine. Very long notes. Uh, but I think it, 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 but to me, that's why I stopped making music is because I realized that I was just doing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's not to say that I'm better than Lynn Manuel Miranda or anything like that, because ultimately, what I decided is like, oh, I just don't have anything more to say, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, but, but I, I, I'll, I think you're right. He hasn't had a long enough career. He, yeah. he may be overhyped, but when you take a song like, you know, imagine uh, Hamilton and we don't need to talk about that necessarily, but we don't talk about Bruno and Dos Oruguitas. Those are completely different songs. They're completely different styles. They don't, neither one of them, Scream right. Lin Manuel Miranda. Well, the we don't maybe talk about Bruno, Bruno but but Dos Oruguitas was written to be a song that has always existed. Like it, it didn't. 
They, he wanted to write a song that didn't sound like he wrote the song. That is just, it was a folk song. It's always existed. Right. And, and that's, that's, by the way, exactly what it felt like. Look, I, I'm not saying that he's a talentless hack. I'm saying actually the opposite. I just think that he's, he's, he's in a place in his career that because it's like, oh, here's the next thing. Here's another offer, yeah. another offer. He's not really, he hasn't been given the chance to be uncomfortable and, really create get in there and get dirty and creative and grow he might at some point i predict that his next solo non-disney project be it a musical or some other movie will be that opportunity i really hope and i hope that he succeeds like i would love to hear i would love it if we don't talk about bruno was something that's just as good just as catchy and if someone were to say like oh by the way that's that's written by the guy who did hamilton I would actually be surprised. Right. And, you know, um, but yeah, and, and you're right. I, I just, it's, he's still incredibly talented. We'll get uh, to those orillitas later. Cause yeah. I think it's great. So I watched, I watched like a facts about this movie and mm-hmm. they were talking about this song and it is a type of song called a madrigal or a madrigal yes. madrigal. Yeah. Madri- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah, is the, the idea of a magical song is exactly, and all those which, voices and themes coming together. Isn't that a right. fun little? Isn't that a fun little Easter egg? Well, it's the name. <laughs> it of is. It. Yeah, it is. And so this song is. Uh, it, it says that salsa, Cuban folk, hip hop, and dance. That's all stuff that we probably could have caught on to, but Guajira is where it has its real heart, I think, and it goes a little something like this. Ooh. Yep. Also, I can't not associate this song with Usher's song, Yeah. (laughs) 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 I'm taken to the hangover. It was my wedding day. When Lin Manuel explains this song, he says it's very from a very Latin family tradition of you know no we don't talk about that but let me tell you about that <laughs> yeah yeah he's in the beginning part with uh, with Peppa and her husband is is taken directly from his parents you're like am I telling the story or you know <laughs> yeah yeah you and tell the, the char- story or why <laughs> who's the character that can hear everything it's uh, Dolores easily my favorite character she's great. She's wonderful. When she she's talks about wonderful. the rats in the walls, yeah. it's like she's, she's she might be crazy. I and love you can that see in the so background much. when she's singing in this song, you can see yeah. Bruno in the background. Oh, really? I, just, uh-huh. I didn't like the thing that she did. I thought that was well, annoying. It's really quiet. Like in, when she sings, yeah. it's quiet yeah. because everything <laughs> is so it. loud to her. Like, <laughs> and, so. and they have that moment where, that I this was and this was the turning point for me. So Jimmy, it's going to get better. I promise. Um, <laughs> I don't know about for Audrey, but for me it is. No, this um, song absolutely was like, okay, all right. Fra- I told you. <laughs> so, that's when, so that's when Audrey commits. Never mind. For Audrey. Okay. Uh, no, but uh, her twin sister is for Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> 
But we have, you know, we have that, that moment of exposition in the room and they're like, no one can know, no one can know. And then we see her, it's like, I know. Yeah, exactly. That's, she's <laughs> a great. legitimately funny shot. And, and I don't know how weird this is going to sound, but to Audrey's point, how realistic these characters look, she's definitely the, the most attractive to me. Anyway. Um, but the other thing also, Audrey, when if you watch it again, when things get really loud, when everybody's singing, she's covering her ears because it's too loud. Oh, my That's gosh. Because she can I... hear a pin drop. I must have missed it. I was enthralled at on my second rewatch. I realized that uh, the two sides of the family with children were mm-hmm. separated by color temperatures. So yes, on, they sure were. Yeah, you got the yellow and the red mm-hmm. and the and the yep, cream right. on the on um, Peppa's family. Julia, damn it, I got her names wrong. Peppa's yeah, family. Julieta's is Mirabelle's. That's more blue. Right, yeah. cool tones, and, teal, purple. Peppa's more yellow, red. I yeah, th- I thought we were being oddly racist for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and and this will come back later. Like, oh no! <laughs> this will come I back. Hoped l- wouldn't happen. It's happening. <laughs> It'll come back later when we get a little bit more into Mirabelle. Um, but her, uh, but uh, Bruno. His uniform, his costume is, you know, mm-hmm. like a, I don't know what you call it. Poncho. Um, it's like a poncho, right? And it's specifically the color, go away green, that Disney uses to hide construction. No. It's specifically that color. Uh, it is. Uh, it is. It's go away green. Look at it side by side. See, doesn't make the movie better, but it's I, interesting. But it is interesting. <laughs> My point is that he's hiding in the walls. Go away green is his, yeah. is his color palette. I, I get and it. I get Mirabelle's it. costume has uh, details from every oh, character in just it. just you wait. And the fabrics, man, the fabric looks so realistic. And then also mm-hmm. her glasses are green, just like. They're the same color Bruno. of go away green as Bruno, which is how mm-hmm. that ties in. We'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, what I really like about it, and you'd mentioned it earlier in some of the realism and style, is the, chore- the this was a choreographed. Like there was a choreographer yes. who choreographed yes. this music. And you can tell. like it's Yeah, yes. you can totally tell. And you, the, the way the skirts swing. And it, it's it's I love it. And like the hand movements and stuff, it's clearly it been does. choreographed and it's really well done yeah it, i saw into the heights and then i was thinking oh this feels this feels like a capital m musical where there's like mm. this yes. isn't cats <laughs> <laughs> it's not a disney Ow. musical where you know <laughs> anyway uh okay so um we don't talk about bruno uh after that mirabelle reconstructs the glass and discovers it forms an image of herself standing in front of the broken casita Mirabelle this assumes this is this to mean that she will destroy the family. Later that evening, Mirabelle's older sister Isabella, who can make plants and flowers grow at will, is scheduled to become engaged to neighbor Mariano Guzman. After a tense dinner, Mirabelle's oldest cousin Dolores, who possesses superhuman hearing, blurts out that she overheard Mirabelle talking to her father <laughs> about Bruno's vision. I really scene. do love that. Yeah, book. it's a fun scene. I know. <laughs> Not I heard. Just, I know. <laughs> this is like the in Casita. Parasite when they no, spoilers <laughs> ahead. If you have not seen Parasite, everything was going fine. And then in 10 minutes or so, hell breaks loose. You got to watch that movie. Yes. Uh, that's if our you next haven't one. haven't seen it. <laughs> The casita begins to crack again, causing everyone's powers to go haywire, ruining the night and Mariano's proposal when Peppa inadvertently conjures a downpour. 
As everyone flees the chaos, Mirabelle follows a group of rats and discovers a secret passage behind a portrait. There she encounters Bruno, who reveals that his vision of Mirabelle would have put her at odds with the family and potentially the townsfolk who relied on the magic for everyday lives. And by the way, I don't know that that character was supposed to be John Turturro, but that's that's John Turturro. Yeah, a little bit. And I think it was kind of some of those scenes were fun. There was a little bit of mystery in her going through the walls. And she falls down a big crevasse and he saves her. And then he brings her his his little lair, which is right next to the kitchen. So (laughs) he's in the walls, which Dolores can hear. And he's got a little table setting for himself on the kitchen. And he's got these little rats that he improved that little part of that little scene with the like the telenovelas. Like that was all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Well, and I, li- I like the little weird ticks he has that knock, 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 Yeah, yeah. Knock, knock. Well, it's OCD like crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's got to knock on certain things in order to close the door or whatever. Superstitious with the salt. Exactly. Uh, he can see the future. Uh, so Bruno broke the vision because he didn't want to like, imply that uh, or, or potentially um, uh, implicate, incriminate. M- incriminate, implicate Mirabelle. So to protect her, he broke the vision and went into hiding to protect her. Well, and I think that what the song, what is missed in the song or, or what is missed in, by these characters is that, yeah, he does see the future, but he sees like, it's almost like he's seeing the future as like a David Lynch movie or oh something, my God, where, right? you know, where it's just like, it all could I know be. is, that's part all of I know, it. Yeah. All I know is that this, there's this thing, there's this one part and it's usually the most traumatic or stressful or worrying. So it's not like, you know, when he sees rain on the sister's wedding day, it's like, Oh, it's going to rain and it's, it's going to be awful. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, I can tell you're stressed and that's, that's what you do when you're stressed. Right. It yeah. rains. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good point. Um, and you missed my ironic joke. Because it's rain on the wedding day. Anyway. Oh, yeah. um, 10,000 so, spoons. Yeah. All you need huh. is a knife. It's ironic. You know what's ironic is that a song about ironic things is actually just about kind of unfortunate. Unfortunate things. coincidences. Yeah. But that's been <laughs> that's been argued to death. So Bruno reveals that his vision could change, meaning that Mirabelle would either destroy the magical family all, or heal its rifts. And I really like what you're saying, Dan, about he's making observations about things that will happen Mm-hmm. But not it's going to ruin everything, but rather this thing happened. But also, if you look further, this other thing also happened. Right. Right. And, and I, like, I, like the guy and getting I can relate to that all the time. I mean, anyone <laughs> that's that's definitely that's that's kind of how I not that I could see the future, but I'm definitely somebody who's just like, oh, this awful thing is probably going to happen. And then a lot of people will think, oh, you're super negative. And it's like, no, I'm just saying that this thing's probably going to happen. So let's prepare for it and it'll be fine. Yeah. And then after that, something else will happen and better things or whatever, right? Life is a series of things. Some are awful. Some are not. Yep. And um, yeah. So anyway, so he, so Mirabelle then urges Bruno to conjure another vision. At first, it goes the same way as the previous one with Mirabelle standing in front of the broken casita. However, mm-hmm. a golden butterfly appears, which will come back later, and the vision changes into an image of Mirabelle embracing a young woman with whom they identify as Isabella. Now, this is where we introduce what I don't like about this movie is that... Jimmy, why do you hate this movie so much? <laughs> it, not, not that I don't like it. It's just, it's just 
it's creating this thing that in order to save this miracle, you got to hug your sister. You got to make up with your sister. Like this has been the central conflict the entire time. And in no way has it been, you know, they, she irritates her little, you know, she's perfect. And she bats her hair at her little sister because she's in the way and she ruined her engagement or whatever, which wasn't her fault. But why is that the solution? I can't problem. believe I'm about to defend this awful movie, but um, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's I'm not kidding. an awful movie. <laughs> um, I think because he only sees pieces of things, I think that what he's saying is that is like an inciting event that will then bring everything to a head. Because yeah, which is the true. Way, the way that happens causes all the conflict to come out into the open, mm-hmm. which is what ultimately needs to happen. Right. That's a good point. And and also it could very well be a, a abuela hugging Mirabelle is what is being seen or it could yeah. be a metaphor right. for that because I'll we'll get into it later. But Mirabelle is the new abuela. So, yeah. And and I'll talk about my my sort of supporting argument for that later as we conclude. But um, further in the story, Mirabelle insincerely apologizes to Isabella, but actually accidentally provokes a cathartic confession. Isabella does not want to marry Mariano and is mm-hmm. burdened by her image of perfection. She sings, what else can I do? And I have nothing there other than in this one moment character who i found to be highly irritating and uh awful <laughs> became really relatable and cool You're talking about because isabella i i'm frankly we all know i'm perfect mm-hmm. and that, yeah. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no i just it I I I don't know how I don't know if it's normal to know people like this person, but I have known at least I'm going to say two people like this person just to hide my tracks. Um, and it is so relieving and so nice to see them become actual people with flaws yeah. and accepting the flaws and loving the flaws and being like, yes, this is why I like you. Not that other crap. Right. Mm. <laughs> other crap. Yeah. You could lose it all. And, and, and I, I want this version. This song is fun. It, it is the least, it feels the least Colombian to me. It feels a lot more frozen. It feels a lot more Bobby Lopez. Definitely. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of following in the footsteps because there is a Colombian pop scene. There mm-hmm. is everywhere. So I think that this one didn't bother me terribly. It's just like, oh yeah, there is Columbia pop, the Colombian pop. Shakira exists, you know. I don't like the uh, the way it starts with the kind of weird guitar thing, you know. The they all start kind of weirdly, I think. Yeah, like that's me just getting nitpicky. Let's talk about Bruno. Like it starts immediately. There's no preamble or. Um, and, and the other thing, like what I didn't like about surface pressure is I don't like when OO is a lyric. I don't like that. I think it's (laughs) sloppy. I think it's lazy. Um, this song I liked, it just felt a little bit lazier to me, but I like the song, you know, what else can I do? But it is very Elsa. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of rhymes in there that should not be rhymes. But also what I liked is. The line where she's like, a wave of Hakaranda. I don't know. It yeah. And what I was about to, to say about that is that part of the research with Lin-Manuel was she's 
does flowers. So he's trying to research like all the different kinds of plants and flowers that grow in Colombia and then all the plants and flowers that couldn't grow in Colombia and including those in the design because she could make them grow. Right. And so jacarandas is a, something he's never heard of, but that's just a Colombian flower or plant that you can add into the lyrics and it just kind of makes it more, it builds it out more. Mm. What for me? What it lacked in song enjoyability, it made up for in like character, character development, development yeah. and and story. Where it's just like, okay, thank you. I have, thank you. Things are happening now. <laughs> and and yeah. this this actually introduces the central conflict because Mirabelle helping Isabella blossom to her true imperfect self, and they mm-hmm. embrace, blossom. which strengthens the candle and heals the cracks. But then Alma sees this. And sees that, uh oh, she's not perfect anymore. What mm-hmm. have you done, Mirabelle? You're ruining everything. Uh, so she accuses Mirabelle of causing the family's misfortunes out of spite for not having a gift, which has been her bubbling concern the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's Alma's need for everybody to be perfect and fit in their own little box, which is what causes Luisa's concerns of, of being weak and Isabella's concerns about being perfect. And now they can finally be themselves. Um, but then Mirabelle's like, hey, no, it's you who are creating all this pressure. And then their rising argument weakens the candle again. And she uh, creatures a f- uh, and creature creates a fissure that splits a nearby mountain and demolishes the casita. I learned it by watching you. Exactly. <laughs> Despite yeah. Mirabelle's efforts to save it, the candle dies in her hands, leaving all the Madrigal powerless. While the family and several locals assess the damage, a guilt-ridden Mirabelle leaves the town. After a few hours of fruitless search, Alma finds a tearful Mirabelle back at the river where Pedro died. She explains how in her determination to preserve the magic, she ignored the toll it took on her family and finally takes responsibility for what happened. And we hear Dos Oruguitas. And this is when Dan loses the Beaches Challenge. (laughs) Um, Yeah. This is... I don't know why. I mean, I know why, because it's a well-written song, and it's a well-made piece. Here's the thing. Here's here's an issue I have, and it's kind of... Jimmy, remember we were talking about World of Color, and this is partially why I'm on the show. (laughs) We were talking about World of Color, and we were talking about how it's this fiendishly perfect thing that manipulates you in ways that you don't really recognize and in any ways that you do recognize, but in ways that you don't really recognize to the point where at the beginning, you're seeing this thing that's kind of disappointing, but probably on purpose. I don't think the beginning of this movie was disappointing on purpose, but then you get to a point where Disney has learned that if we just give these emotional cues and play these things and have this instrument playing at this, this resonance and we show this kind of thing. And I'm not even saying this in a, I'm saying it in a, in, in a neutral critical way. It's not necessarily good or bad. Mm. Um, where if we, we can have a, a, a this vessel for emotion, that we can just put anything in and people will start tearing up and it just, they'll just be like, Oh, this means so much. And when really, I mean, looking at it from bird's eye view in this scene, we learn really nothing about this character other than that. There's a song that we're supposed to hear, but the song is super effective. She told her story at the start of the movie, right? 
Yeah, it, it's Alma. sort of the they wanted to tell the whole story, but it was just too much at the beginning. So this is qu- sort of the back end telling the fuller story because at the beginning all we see is the death of her husband and the miracle happening. What if and they it's had a great given, trick? What if they had given this the up treatment where they started with? Oh sure, yeah. Alma, I think and, they I think they workshopped it for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, but this this song is is about two caterpillars. That's what oruguita means in Spanish. Is it's about two caterpillars, and then eventually they become butterflies, and they need to, uh, you know, they have to go into their cocoons, and it's a really beautiful story, um, that was written all in Spanish. They for the first time, he never written. their insides. That's right. <laughs> but it's about butterfly or caterpillars who become butterflies, and it's a part of the natural progression. So butterflies are a representation of the casita of the miracle. Mm-hmm. It comes back in Bruno's vision. The butterfly is is very much symbolic of what this story is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, and don't so, get me wrong; it's a super effective scene. The, the super effective song, it's a good song. Yeah, I just worry and am fascinated by. And I don't think this is it, but th- that we're getting to a point where we can just go pure formula. Yeah, I, but I think that I think you're right, and and I don't know that that's a bad thing per se because everybody does it, and especially Disney. But if you think about the context of our show and the movies that we traditionally talk about and explore, they're doing the same tropes. They just don't do it as well because they don't have as as many talented people doing right. it. So, well, I think it's about hiding your tracks, just like with yeah, sure. all the influences with Lynn Manuel Moore and really anybody. I mean, Bowie, one of my favorite people, was very influenced by a lot of different things. It's just, what do you do to hide your tracks? How do you make it interesting? And I think that in this case, Lynn. In this case, it works. He it, covered uh, his tracks. Absolutely. This is not a Lynn Manuel's Miranda song. Right. You, this is the one you're talking about. You play this mm-hmm. song. This is the same guy who wrote We Don't Talk About Bruno. Like, 100%. That's incredible. And it was written completely in Spanish and it was translated for the album. But how do you sing two caterpillars and make it sound good? So they kept well, Dos Origuitas and, um, and what's the, uh, uh, butterfly? It's, um, Mariposa. Mariposa. They kept those. I think, I think a English. lot of credit goes to the singer also. <clears throat> yeah. Who's a Colombian? Right. Right. And I, I think, um, it's, it, I'm not, it's, 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 it's a really, really, I, I think, the fact that it's so so effective after the movie having s- such an unevenness to it up to this point for me, mm. I, I think I think it's it's a it's a testament to the song, mm-hmm. um, and I really I think that song might end up being the thing that I like about the rest of the movie. Mm. Because the rest of the movie can just ride on that moment, as far as I'm concerned. Sure, and and sometimes that's all it takes, and that could be for any movie yeah. or a ride. You know, it's just there's one moment that makes the whole thing worth it. Is this right? Um, I mean, jumping those... jellyfish, you don't think Naturally. they're going to come back down? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, in some other Disney animated movies, they have these songs with lyrics playing over the main characters doing something or, you know, like a lot, like a um, Tarzan. It's called that. Yes. Which is why Tarzan for some people isn't as strong as the rest of those kind of golden age movies. Well, what plus if, it's Phil Collins. <laughs> if Mirabelle and Alma had sung this song as a duet, Well, it's they tried it, and it wasn't going to be a duet. It was going to be 
Alma and Pedro singing it. Um, cause it's her song. I mean, this is, this is Abuela's song. Mm. It's her theme. This is her song. This is her story. So, which is why she sings this melody in the beginning. Uh, but they did try it, it, but it, it didn't work. I think I it, 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 it works really perfectly. I agree. And yeah, it, I think I of, squeezed out a drop or two of moisture. <laughs> yeah. Out of your and, eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, um, <laughs> no, my butt. I have diarrhea. <laughs> You too? Uh, oh, yeah, it, it's it's good. It's a good. Song. Okay, so after hearing Alma's tragic backstory, Mirabelle tells her that despite her flaws, she is the one who brought and protected the family together all these years. After a golden butterfly appears, they reconcile, and Bruno appears, confronts Alma to defend Mirabelle, but unexpectedly cheers her up with his return. They reunite, reunite with the Madrigals, and the townspeople arrive to help them rebuild the casita, and they sing All of You. Yay. Mm-hmm. They do. Which is another fun song. It doesn't feel... I don't know all the thousand different Colombian themes, but this feels very much like a Broadway yeah. musical ending. I, I forget like the, the song here's, completely. Here's, and here's, here's where I have to do that thing I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There are over a thousand different styles, and I was very interested in hearing more than four. And you have, you got lots of music because there's a whole lot of music. You can just shove that right in there. Just hire that band. Be like, here's the chord changes. Here's the lyrics. Do it in whatever style you think fits. And I don't know. I feel like a thousand different styles. They'd be able to find one. But they didn't. For this one, that's what Welcome. you're saying. That's 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 the end of Dan being negative and hating everything. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so when the house, <laughs> is re- but by the way, it's a fun song, and of course, there's we mm. they do talk about Bruno, and Bruno comes in and doesn't sing well, and he sings a riff from "Let It Go." Oh, blah, blah, blah. I can't stand the rap singing. Yeah. So when the house is rebuilt, the Madrigals give Mirabelle a gleaming doorknob with an M on it. And when she places it on the front door, the magic springs back to life, restoring the casita and all the family's gifts and spreading through the town. The Madrigals pose for another family picture, this time with Mirabelle and Bruno included. Now, and it gets messed up, which is perfect. Or not perfect. Well, it's an imperfect picture. Yeah. So so that's the thing about because now they're an imperfect family. And that's great. And that what brings them all together. This is Mirabelle's door. She is the miracle. Um, she makes the house come to life again. She is the new abuela because, you know, abuela doesn't have any gifts. She's 50 years or she's what, 70 something years old or whatever. And so mm-hmm. Mirabelle has now brought the family together. She is the miracle. She is the new abuela. So much so that like you were talking about, Audrey, all of the characters have different designs in their costumes in order to represent, reflect their, their gifts. So for example, Isabella has florals. Luisa has weight patterns. Uh, Dolores has sound waves. Cam- Camilo has chameleons on his costume. Uh, uh, the, uh, what's his name? Antonio has animals on his outfit. Peppa wears sun earrings. Julieta has a mortar and pestle symbol for her dress. You know, about the, she makes food that heals people. Um, Mama's got and candles then, and flames and stuff. Right. And Bruno's poncho has uh, hourglass symbol and it's go away green. Uh, <laughs> Abuela Alma doesn't technically have any special powers, but the Madrigal family candle is embroidered on Mirabelle's skirt, representing that, mm-hmm. signaling a key connection between Abuela and the family and all their gifts. There are also small embroidered images on Mirabelle's dress. There are flowers for Isabella. 
There's a chameleon for Camilo. There's a hand lifting a weight for Luisa. There's a sun, a rainbow, and a cloud for Peppa. And of course, she's all wearing. Uh, there's also a tiger and a toucan on her dress that you can see even before Antonio gets his gift. Dang. So she's like the tree of life for characters. she's she's the new abuela. She brings everybody together. She's represented, and she has, of course, the go away green glasses and butterflies. Um, <laughs> she's the Meg of life. <laughs> yeah. So, my, but my point is the the problem that I had similar before, haircut that I <laughs> kind of yeah that I didn't know what she was all about. I think I landed there with she is the new abuela. She doesn't mm-hmm. have the gift, just like abuela doesn't have the gift. But uh, I she, think you mean abuela nueva. Sure. <laughs> but she brings the family together. She is the miracle and everybody's fine who they are. They don't have to be perfect and we happily ever after. Yeah. That's beautiful. <clears throat> yep. And I feel like I took the opportunity for the, oh my God, interesting away because I watched those videos that were like, here are those cool details. Oh, you already saw that? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah sorry. Robin Moe's power. Thank Robin Moe's power. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we were up to three, by the way, but I think Dan got two of them. Nice. Uh, okay. So that I is- scowled. How many did I scowl more or less than you verbally scowl? <laughs> Less than I expected. Okay. And okay. I appreciate that you were you were upfront about the fact that it gets better and it did. Oh yeah, no, I usually don't do that, but I, I, I knew going in that the amount of criticism that I had for the first part would have just put you in this like really hopeless place. <laughs> I appreciate that. And and what's funny is I enjoy the first half better than the second half. Really? That's interesting. And like once it drops off for me after, after Bruno, but that's true for most musicals for me. I usually like the first act better because it's mm. typically more expo- expository. It's usually the more fun. I don't like drama. I don't like conflict. So yeah. that's usually what's introduced in the second half. And that, that is that, that's something it's doing these shows. I'm, I'm I, I hope it's mutual that. We're learning things about each other and yeah. how we view the world, and that I'm I'm seeing that you actually enjoy somebody. You actually enjoy being told why you should like something, I, and I, I hate that. Do because um, when I go see a movie, I go in absolutely um, to get lost. Like we talked about, I like the bubble, right? And I'm and I'm I in there to be to enjoy and just absorb stuff. Like come, bring it at me, but but tell me. Because I'm not in my head is the thing. I'm I'm immersed in an experience. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell me what it's all about, what's going on. Because I don't want to mm-hmm. think about it because that's not why I'm here. Mm. And it's only after I see it again and watch all the behind-the-scenes stuff that I start to appreciate things more. The first viewing for me for anything is very much like what just happened at the end. That was awesome because I just – I went along for the ride. Mm. Um, and I don't analyze it until after the fact because why would I sit there and analyze the thing when I'm there for escapism? I'm there to be entertained. You know what I mean? Which is why I don't typically like a Mulholland Drive or whatever because it's like, man, this is a lot. <laughs> this is a lot. Life has got enough drama. I don't need to deal with it. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'll say it again. Mulholland Drive is the best film that we have reviewed on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Probably probably always will be. <laughs> Um, Okay, so we are going to enjoy, while watching this film for the 13th time, we are going to be enjoying (laughs) Encanto de Amor with the MIA Beer Company. 
Oh, I, I'm sorry. One last thing. That last song, uh, Columbia Me Encanto. Oh, oh. oh, yeah, yeah. Who doesn't a, speak English, by the way. Yes. It's a non-diegetic <laughs> by uh, Carlos Vives. Yeah. Um, and it is done in a, in a cumbia style, which will come in handy later. Uh, but here's, here is a cumbia. Yeah. And that is that instrument is not a clarinet or a saxophone. It's a flute. Hold on, And I am partially doing this to set up my thing. So that, that's why it's going awesome. I'm more immersed in this song and like than the movie. <laughs> right? I was distracted in the movie, I think. Yeah. There's too many too many little things to, to pay attention to. Hey. <laughs> I just wanted to see what would happen. So so Dan, before I get into the beer, um, yeah. So I think what I'm what I'm getting from you is, and I'm agreeing with. And by the way, again, thank you for doing what you did because I think that is a, as perfect a representation of what this show is about. Mm-hmm. Is that rather than just playing those songs, which I think would be lazy in this situation, because again, everybody's heard them. Mm-hmm. But to have the inspiration for what the origin of that is. But what I'm hearing and you playing it is if that was the music in this mu- movie, it would be so much better and so much more authentic. Because- I think it would be a more, it would be a richer Ooh, experience. Right. Yeah. And that's what because, I think I'm hearing you say. Because you would walk away from the movie going, oh, that exists. I want to hear more of that. And 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 I don't think it's as popular. I but I here's but my ver, my my vision of it isn't necessarily it's straight one to one. I'm saying it's Lin Manuel Miranda comes in and he works with these musicians, and he kind of says, "Here's the key to the car," but I have a key too. But I'm going to follow you because you know where you're going. This sounds like you're trying to explain cryptocurrency vaults and signatures. <laughs> or is it? Or is it more like when you're a student driver and the driving instructor also has a steering wheel? Like well, I've I, got a I, set of brakes as well. I think. It, I think it's 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 kind of like it, it's a lot of this. And again, I know the line that I'm I'm really trying to stay on like a positive end. I'm not. I'm not of the mind of like, this should have been a hundred percent authentic. And I'm mad because it wasn't, I right. think it, it, it's, it's more just like you, it, Oh God. Okay. I hate to reference this, but there's a, there's a moment in Dan hates the Beatles where I'm talking about the use of sitar and it's used. It, yeah. It's a sitar, but it's used just like it's a guitar, but it's not a guitar. And I was disappointed that they didn't get someone who's an expert in this, instrument 
to play it the way it's supposed to be played. So it's actually the thing. Mm. Instead, it's just like, hey, here's this wacky thing we found. And I think that it's that, that might personify. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that, that might no. personify exactly what you have a problem with. Is it? it it's very much Lin Manuel Miranda being the Beatles playing these instruments. That hey, these are very exotic sounds, right? But it's still a pop song. Yeah, and I don't think you lose anything by making it to by bringing in experts and saying like, look, I have some some humility here. I'm not going to explain your culture to you. You please explain your culture to me, and I'll do what I do, which is make it very popular. You know, mm. and he did. And, and and yeah, there was a research trip and all that jazz, and I'm sure he got influence from different things. But you're right, it, it, it and it's also Disney, and it's also a corporate machine, and it's also trying to make money and sell records. Right, and, right. and it was also made during the time that it was. So That's I think true. that they didn't really have the opportunity. To go to go full Joe Rody with this, and I think that's 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 my thing is this goes it gets close enough to Joe Rody land that I'm like, why didn't you just go there? Mm-hmm. So is that is that your plus up? My plus up is actually you change it. You make the first half from Abuela's point of view. That way, oh. We're not upset. We, that way, we don't hate the family for treating our main character like Meg. And okay. then the flip, flip happens, and we see that oh, this is this is a problem with. And you can even keep some of the issues with the story structure this way Ooh. to have it be: here's the character, here's what I can do, here's what I can do, here's what I can do, here's what I can do for the family. Look at how perfect I am. Look at my talent, my talent. Look what I can do. And then at some point, it snaps. And the movie goes, yeah, this movie is broken. This family's broken. This character's going to solve it. Yeah, I can mm. see that. We've never had an older Disney princess before. You know, no, like we don't know Abuela... how old Perry was towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the Wicked Queen was an older Disney princess. Who knows? Elderly squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Give me them nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um. But we don't we don't typically have other than Mother Willow or Grandmother Willow. They're not a lot yes. of older. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, but there I can't think of any older matriarchal characters in Disney movies who are not evil. You know, the Wicked uh, Queen, the Wicked Stepmother, mm-hmm. Abuela for all intents and purposes. You know, usually older female characters are mean. Uh, Ursula, you know, all the all the heroine heroes' parents are all either dead or men. Hmm. And if they're female, they're wicked. Yep. That's interesting. Um, Encanto de Amor by the MIA Beer Company. Fall Ooh. in love with our award-winning Berliner Weiss made with raspberries and passion fruit. This fruity, refreshing Berliner took home the 2017 silver medal for best Florida beer competition in the U.S., or excuse me, in the European sour ale category. And uh, Dan, I think you'd like it. It's a sour, it's a fruited Berliner Weiss, and it has no IBUs, which means what? it's not bitter at all. Oh. Um, also, if Lin-Manuel wins the Oscar for the for the music, when? well, probably, um, <laughs> he will be an EGOT, and in fact, he'll be a PGOT, because he's got a Pulitzer, Emmy, Oscar, Tony, and a Grammy. What was the Pulitzer for? Hamilton. Oh, good for him. So, 
Yeah, he'll pegot. Now, there's only been one person in the history of egot, which, by the way, was coined by Tracy Morgan in uh, 30 Rock, egot. Uh, there's only been one person to get egot twice. Does anybody know who that is? Whoopi Goldberg? Uh, Carol Channing. Bobby Lopez. Writer of Frozen and, you know, the musical and the Book of Mormon. And oh. he's egotted twice. He's the only person in history that's done it twice. Well <sighs> done. Yeah. What are we going to be eating? Um, We're going to have pod thai. Just kidding. That's <laughs> that's the dish. That's the dish we're having if we watched Ryan the Last Dragon, which I watched we're immediately. Pad, we're having pad thai at the China Pavilion in Epcot. A uh, yum, <laughs> delicious. No, no, we're actually having that Cubanos. Tracks. Nice. <laughs> it's a good sandwich. Sounds good. It is. Oh, those are good. But sandwiches. again, you get the Cubano at the Mexico Pavilion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right. And not, you know, five miles down the street in Orlando where the person. Oh, person they're probably Cuba real good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and a Cuban um, cigar. Why not for dessert? And just put rum. it on the sandwich. There you go. <laughs> mm. Umami. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so what we're sabor. listening to while we eat our cigar sandwich. Um. You might have heard of a certain somebody named David Byrne. Um, ah. He came out with an album in 1989 called Ray Momo. Now, I realize that this is another example of white guy doing Latin things, but I feel like he did it kind of right here because this entire album, he wrote the lyrics and this is so familiar. He wrote the lyrics, he wrote the chord changes, and he found actual Latin bands who have been performing this music for their entire career. And he said, I'm going to follow your lead. You tell me what this song sounds like. And then we're just going to, I'm going to make an actual Latin album. Cool. And one of the songs is Call of the Wild. Um, and it is a merengue, uh, which everyone loves on their lemon bike. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So he <laughs> legitimately was just like, you're my band and I'm just your lead singer. Do you tell me what to do? Which is, is awesome. Talking Heads, is that right? Talking Heads guy, yeah. He was on... He's uh, uh, Smartless podcast. It was interesting. Yeah, I he's like having a little bit of a resurgence lately because of his uh, Broadway stuff. I'd love to see that show. I would love to see that show too. It's on HBO Max. If you would like my HBO Max password and username, <laughs> call eight five six R ears today and talk about Bruno's wiener. West Side Story is coming out on Disney Plus and HBO Max the same day. Wow. Wow. It's a Fox property and Disney owns Fox, and but it was also done in conjunction with Warner Brothers. So both of them own the rights. And the two files are going to do like, they're going to go West Side Story on each other. Totally. It'd be interesting <laughs> to watch the two though, like side by side and see which one has a higher quality. Well, definitely uh, Disney will because they have IMAX now. Oh. Yeah, you press the button and an IMAX screen appears in your home. Nice. 
the magic of Disney. Um, I, I hate that company. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. That's uh, what the tracks. Okay. <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? Um, I'm going to Disney. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. But don't forget what Daddy Chapek's done for you. I'm, al- I'm That's also right. going to knots. <laughs> But let's 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 be honest. For irony, mostly, <laughs> I like knots. I actually like knots. I mean, uh, yeah, no, there, it is it is ironic. But I, I mean, you'll see when you ride the uh, when you ride the oh uh, uh, the knots berry tails. Mm. You get to shoot coyotes with poison berry. Yeah. <laughs> what? Nice. It is. It's charming. That's well, adorable. let's do it. Um, we'll get the front of the line passes for everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, we'll have some boysenberries. We'll have, we'll have lots of boysenberries. <laughs> Hopefully and boysenberry meet, items. <laughs> meet the boys and, be- boys and boys and the boys and thems. <laughs> and the boys and girls. The boys and theys. Yeah. <laughs> boys um, and non-binaries. <laughs> yeah. So stay tuned for that. In April and uh, March, you're going to get the... February from Madness March bracket challenge of the best pre-show. There's two episodes of that breaking down 32 to the top pre-show at any Disney park. And we're going to have uh, Chris Smith, author of this fine book called A Magical Half Century Stories Celebrating Walt Disney World's First 50 Years. The author sorry, of did this, you say Madrigal? Or? The Madrigal, first um, Madrigal years. So it's where all the different to parks the get together. Madrigal. Um, anyway, so it's a good book. It's fun. It's interesting. It's not really about the 50th. It's about more like things that happened, like the first chapters about, um, about the, the, uh, Mr. Toad and Ichabod, uh, the Sleepy Hollow and the Disney theme parks and all the different ways that that movie that, what do they call those movies with their, their, um, compilation films or whatever because it was cheaper to oh, make package films package films so like <laughs> how these package films made it into the disney world and then how you know just different stories and it's it's our podcast in book form let's put it mm. that way um anyway so that's the supreme resort and there's also that little uh show called ears up and there's ears up in depth and there's bantha milk uh and of course scraping the vault hey that's our show yeah. Also, uh, there's Concierge. Uh, we um, have an excellent partnership with Concierge. Did you know that I currently, personally, am managing 20 vacation packages for mostly listeners? Uh, we just had a new family book, uh, Sarah, who is a referral from another person who is a listener. Uh, we Thank just booked you, her listeners. at the Pop Century at uh, Disney World for 10 days. Mm, you're killing it. Yeah, they're going in November for 10 days, and they're going to do the parks for five days, and they're going to do Universal. So I was able to book them their vacation package at Disney World, including the Disney Genie Plus service for the five days they're going to the parks, and I was able to book their Universal uh, theme park tickets as well. So just one call does it all. Wow. Concierge.com. So I'm curious, when everything changes, will they be able to change to the pop century uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge <laughs> hotel <laughs> and will they give them the difference in the price back <laughs> uh, yeah that's a different different podcast Audrey but uh, by the way Dan Got you will it. not have to yeah. wear a mask this weekend I know but I'm still gonna because I'm a murderer 
Um, okay, so the next episode true. of Scraping the Vault, we will go back to our traditions, our origins that pop up JPEG started all those years ago. I'm excited. Happy JPEG. And it will be uh, not that one because we already did it. We did that one too. Stitch. The Lion King one and a half. Oh. <laughs> the movie the I watched the first a year time. and a half ago. Yeah. yeah. You'll have to watch it again. Uh, Lion King one and a half that came out on February 10th, 2004. Dan, get your 2004 history. I was living mm. in Georgia at the time. Uh, and then Springtime with Rue. And then maybe Kim Possible, A Stitch in Time. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Oh, Three Musketeers. Kim Possible. That sounds exciting. Mulan 2, Tarzan 2, Lilo and Stitch 2. I mean, it's just getting very exciting in the... <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. When, and, uh, you know, listen. We could, we could just change the format at any time. We could. <laughs> I mean, it works. People like these episodes. Um, mm-hmm. And I was reading a review of this show, and someone says they love the Cats episode was their favorite, and we should do more musicals. So you're welcome with Encanto. Encanto. I would love to do West Side Story, by the way. I, I hear you dropping the hint, and I'm not picking it up. Mm. Well, <laughs> maybe that'll be Audrey's pick next year. <laughs> all right. All right. How no, about, okay. Gonna... Well, no, no. We'll, we'll get there. Um, I don't have the thing loaded, so I'll, I'm, go- I'm going to put it in post. So, Well, um, please um, – we love it when you rate and review. We have we have a fair amount of uh, ratings on the show. We have five stars, by the way. This show has a five-star mm-hmm. rating. What? That's and awesome. Yeah, we just need more reviews. We want to hear more of what you think. We appreciate you as listeners. We hope you enjoy the show, listening to it as much as we enjoy making it. And Dan, of course, did a hell of a job producing once again and edited very well. And our theme song by J.R. Tremp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks, I don't man. mention that enough. Thanks, J.R. Yeah, we don't mention that enough. Yeah. So um, thank you all. Be good to each other. And we'll, till next time, (gasps) be kind 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 and and rewind. rewind. From the ashes of uh, a wood-fired hearth. <laughs> From the ashes of films getting released Johns. in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> From the ashes of Kumandra, the fictional world created in Raya and the Last Dragon, it's Encanto. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Okay. All right. You ready? Oh, I, I kind of threw everything together. I'm going to do any whimsical audio stuff. I'm going to do it in post, so it's just going to go straight <laughs> okay. into the into the song. So. Okay. Zip. Red, yellow, Red, yellow, lemon, lello. Mind meld, mind meld. One, two, three. <laughs> two. Three. Tiger. Uh, Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> they did it. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. That's right. For just $1,200, you too can learn the fabulous improv skills that we just displayed right here on Scraping the Vault. And you'll get a nice <laughs> get a nice certificate that you can tape on your wall. Print it on the finest you... eight and a half by 11 paper. <laughs> Showing people that you, in fact, paid $1,200 to learn the skills of improv, the magic of improv. Taste it! Okay. Taste it. <laughs> the most revered of the arts, improv. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, and... Indeed. Okay, here we go.